we can display the love of Jesus with people we disagree with in ways that reflect his character also. The less you know about something, the more confident you are in your opinions. People who are actually experts constantly wondering if they've got it wrong. <laughs> if someone can have a conversation with you without the fear of you exploding, you're much more likely to win that hearing. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're talking about the value of being winsome. Ooh, winsome. Winsome, yes. How are you, Josh? I'm pretty good. Tiny bit of a head cold, but oh, it's no not fun. too bad. I'll try yeah. not to sniffle. It's that time of year. It is. Yep. How are yep. you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm trying to brave the freezing that we're going here. Uh, when we're recording this podcast, uh, we are experiencing some extremely low temperatures, even for our part of the country um, here in late July. And this morning when I took my kids to school at 730, it was... Um, 15 below zero. Did you just say late July? Did I say late July? I meant late January. That would have been even worse. That would have been horrible. Yeah. 19 below zero when I woke up. 19. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I took my kids. Late January. Late January. Right. Right. So, okay. Yes. January. less. (laughs) Now this is going to come out in February, but still. True. When we're recording this, it's late January. It must be wishful thinking, I guess. January. It's January. And, uh. Took my kids to school. It was 15 below zero. When I went to work, three hours later, two and a half hours later, it was 23 below zero. Oh, my gosh. And that's not the wind chill. That's the, that was the actual air so temperature. Got colder throughout the day. Yes. Yeah. At least through the morning. And, uh, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, July does sound really nice right, <laughs> right now. I yes, can see why you. Oh, the, I'd rather have heat and humidity. The Freudian slip. Yes. I'd rather have heat and humidity any, any day of the year, uh, any day of the week. So, any day. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, I uh, just working my way through that and, you know, getting to work and trying not to freeze. So, Cool. Well, cool. what are we talking about today, Brian? Well, we're going to talk about being winsome and, and we'll talk about what that really means and how that applies. You know, we talked in previous episodes about angry Christians not really helping the cause because they can drive people away and push people away from not only hearing their arguments, which might may be valid arguments, but pushing them away from Christ. Uh, because nobody wants to hear the good news from somebody who's screaming around like it's bad news all the time. And then we also talked uh, just a couple of weeks ago about when we should make whips and flip tables. But today I want to talk about the idea of being winsome in our interactions, particularly with people we disagree with. So let's talk a little bit about that. I've got a couple of definitions here that we'll play off of from uh, dictionary.com. Winsome means sweetly or innocently charming. Winning, engaging. Uh-huh. Like that. Yes. As in a winsome smile. And then Merriam-Webster.com. Winsome means generally pleasing and engaging, often because of a childlike charm and innocence. So now that can all sound petty or it could it sound, it could sound um, childish almost. I'm, you know? I'm picturing a church basement lady that's like got a casserole and she's all su- sugary sweet yeah. and oh bless your heart and yeah, yeah. darling and is that maybe that's maybe, not Maybe I don't know. Okay. I, I wouldn't be uh, I would probably be more likely to eat her casserole 
if she was like that. Well, that's true. And if she were like, hey, I made this casserole. I slept, slaved all over it all night long. And uh, you better like this. And it's, you know, spinach, oyster, salmon. No, that's not going to happen, you know. So, but this isn't saying childish. That's not what it's saying. Basically, all we're saying here is it means being friendly and approachable in your interactions with people, including those you disagree with. And as we talked about before, there is a time to be firm. Absolutely, there is. And sometimes even angry. But even in our anger, we don't need to be always lashing out. In fact, Scripture says, uh, in your anger, do not sin. So it's a recognition that we will be angry, but that we can control how we respond to that and how we manifest that. And as you brought up when we talked about the flipping tables thing, and as Scripture says, that our human anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. So where do we, how can we make our point or how can we gain a hearing from people? And I want to look at two passages of scripture that I think really lay this out well. The first one is Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven. And some of this is going to be very anxious, or excuse me, <laughs> some of this is going to be very familiar. Ah. As I was saying that word, I saw the word on my paper here and my brain being only able to spin one plate at a time, saw that word and spit it out. Okay. Anyway, some of this passage will be very familiar to us, but the first part ties in with this. So here we go. Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Hang on to that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what's striking to that is that it starts off by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Then let your gentleness, gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Then don't be anxious about anything. So this whole thing about let your gentleness be evident to all is kind of sandwiched in between rejoicing and not being anxious. You know, it's interesting. I, especially when I'm insecure or, you know, maybe I'm in a, a social situation where I'm not super comfortable, I'm more anxious and I'm more anxious. So I'm talking about to somebody about something, especially something that I care about. Mm -hmm. And it's when I'm not relaxed, when I'm anxious, it's actually harder to be cheerful like mm -hmm. i personally have a tendency to, to be overly serious mm -hmm. not smile like you know seem like i'm standoffish or maybe sort of overly yeah like overly serious and part of that probably just comes from insecurity or mm -hmm. or being in a situation where i'm not comfortable so i've never really connected that before but the gentleness and the not being anxious may be yeah. connected in some way yeah i think they i think they totally are now, to throw some context in this, Paul wrote this while he was under house arrest in Rome. So he wasn't exactly just out, you know, skipping in the park and uh, watching birds and feeding geese and all this sort of stuff. He, he wasn't was just in chilling and watching Netflix. No, no, he was not. Oh. He was under house arrest. He wasn't in a Roman prison uh, in this case, but he was under house arrest, and so he was under the in custody of the Romans and uh, awaiting trial. 
you know, he did not have the freedom that a lot of people did, but he still says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. In fact, that whole book is full of rejoicing. Paul wrote this letter, I think, if I remember right, toward the end of his life, and he knew that the end of his life was coming. He knew he probably would not finish his life outside of prison, but he doesn't, he doesn't let that determine his outlook. And he's saying, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. That's kind of just a, almost a continuing thought. Let your gentleness be evident. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, and I love that, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I think he's just aware that the Lord is near him and with him. Uh, He's in the presence of the Lord the whole time. And so he can rejoice. Paul, as we mentioned before, was a type A guy, and he knew when to yell and when not to yell. And he knew when to use, make use of his civil rights and, and when not to, and not, when not to make use of his pastoral rights, uh, apostolic or apostolic rights, excuse me, um, as we discussed last time. So I think it's very important that we catch that this is Paul saying, let your gentleness be evident to all and knowing the context that he's in. But that's a command for all of us. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It needs to be seen. It's not enough for you to say, well, I'm a gentle guy. Really? Would others say that about you? Sometimes that's hard to judge, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we need to be, our gentleness needs to be evident. So. Fair enough. And I think that's what being winsome is all about. We're being gentle, even with people we disagree with. It's easier to listen to somebody who's in a good mood, right? Oh, absolutely. Who seems positive, even if they're saying mm-hmm. something that you don't agree with, if they right. seem like they're approachable. Mm-hmm. You might want to listen to them anyway, or at least give them a chance. Oh, yeah. I'm much more willing to listen to someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think both of us, I think pretty much everybody's yeah. much more willing to listen to somebody who's coming across calmly. Yeah. I know I do. I mean, when somebody starts screaming and yelling at me, all I'm thinking about is how am I going to respond to that? And it's usually not good. Yeah. Triggered. I'm yep. angry. I'm- Triggered and angry, and then I'll wait for my opening. I want to hit back. I want to respond in the same way that they're responding because that's what they deserve. Yeah, and, yeah. And Or I'm hoping it, to find a, some witty zinger floating in the back of my brain so yeah. I can knock them down with one sentence. It just activates know? all of those little, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all those little motivations in the back of your mind. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not very gentle when I'm being yelled at. Fair enough. And so that's something the Lord is working on me about because I'm not supposed to return evil for evil. That's what Jesus said. So they may be sinning and how they're yelling at me or calling me names or whatever they might be doing. I am not supposed to return evil for evil. I'm supposed to love like Jesus did and forgive them and turn the other cheek and love my enemies and my opponents Mm -hmm. and all those things that takes a literal act of God in our lives to be able to do. Which I know I've said this before, but it is shocks people sometimes when you respond with gentleness to a very angry or nasty or judgmental comment like Mm -hmm. our uh, for all the talk about certain christians that may not have a positive attitude or a gentle spirit i mean that's just sort of par for the course twitter or online conversations in general Mm -hmm. outside of the church or Christianity, like that's what our culture has sort of created as the new norm. And that's so 
again, I think it's an opportunity to engage conversations mm-hmm. gently and mm-hmm. like the way that you would want somebody to talk to you, even if they disagreed with you. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's really weird in our culture. It stands out and at mm-hmm. least kind of, kind of gives takes down, hopefully, the temperature and some of those mm-hmm. defenses that are up when when people are yelling at each other. Yep. Metaphorically or in reality. <laughs> yep. Well, in Romans 2, we've talked about this one more than once. Uh, Romans 12, uh, Romans 12, 2, excuse me, Roman, oh boy, now I just lost it. Um, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. It's, so the pattern of the world is to react and to be angry. But when you decide, no, I'm going to act like Jesus in this situation, that is totally against the grain and it'll make people take notice. So let your gentleness be evident to all. And then we find more words of Paul in the book of Colossians. It says, be, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. I love that, by the way. We can just stop right there. And that's like, and I want us to do an episode in the future about why it's important that Christians have a good outs, uh, reputation with those outside the church. Because there are plenty of people who say, wow, they'll just hate us anyway. It's like, um, maybe not. You know, they can disagree with us. They may hate the way, you know, hate our belief system, but they don't have to hate us. We can, we can really make some inroads. Anyway, back to the passage. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And then verse six, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. And to me, that says, first of all, our speech has to be gracious, obviously. We mm-hmm. need to be people who, whose speech is characterized by grace that they can feel the fruit of the spirit living in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, all that stuff coming through our speech. And then it says season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. I think if we could live with a, always trying to have conversations full of grace, I think we will be more apt to know how to answer everyone. You know, it's kind of funny how often um, food metaphors are used to describe how we're supposed to or not supposed to interact with people because mm-hmm. you don't want to be sour Right. 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 You don't want to be bitter. Mm-hmm. You want to be salty, savory, like, hmm. Yeah. I'll think I'll have a little bit more of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting. Salt is a preservative. Salt's a flavoring. Mm-hmm. Salt, uh, you know, is a multi-use. Everybody there knew what salt was for. And yep. everybody, salt was part of their lives. So they knew what he was talking about there. But just being able to know how to answer everyone. Yeah. Uh, I No, I'm nowhere near that. Uh, one thing I can tell you is that when I'm not screaming at somebody, I'm much more likely to have a better answer <laughs> than if I am yelling at somebody, it's going to be the wrong answer every time. It's going to be wrong. Here's a third passage of scripture. And this is one that I think every Christian should probably memorize, especially on an election cycle. And this is 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26. Now, before we get into this, this was at the end of Paul's life. This is the last written word of Paul, this letter. And uh, he knew he was about to die for the faith. He knew that his time was coming to an end. Nero was about to have him executed. We don't know how much longer after this letter was written that he was executed, but it was shortly after this. This is the Apostle Paul's last written communication. And he says this, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed 
in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So Paul's saying here that, yes, there are people who are wrong, and they're, they're living under delusions and the trap of the devil, but it's not our yelling and screaming that's going to get them out of that. It's our gentle instruction and our prayers that God will grant them repentance. We must not be quarrelsome. I mean, I, some people just look for fights. Yep. Some Christians do. They just look for look for reasons to throw tooth bombs. I'm throwing tooth bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they think it's their their duty to just correct everything that they f- see. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Why don't we just not? You know, I mean, yeah, there are some things we need to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, but boy, some people are just nitpicky. They make you know, as we talked about before, they make everything a mountain. Even if it's a molehill, you know, they'll, they'll make it into a mountain. Uh, and they're not kind to everyone. They're mean and bitter. And uh, they're not able to teach. They're there's able that, to scream. There's that taste word again. Yes. Bitter. That's right. That's right. Not sweet. Right. So, you know, and uh, to kind of add to that analogy, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. There you go. So people, the bottom line here is just that you're much more likely to gain a hearing when you're winsome. Than if you're mean and yelling and screaming and lashing out. And that's a great example of this is Tim Keller. Uh, he's a pastor in New York, uh, written numerous books, just a great guy. And he's got a video series called The Reason for God. It's an apologetics thing there. Um, Bible study has, is based on his book, The Reason for God, uh, about why it's reasonable to believe in God. And in the video series, and maybe we've mentioned this before, but in this video series, he sits down with like six or seven other people who are not Christians. Some are atheists, one or two are Buddhists. There might even be a Muslim or two in the group, but they talk about stuff. Uh, you know, and, and Timothy Keller will introduce a topic and basically he just lets them speak. And sometimes they'll argue, well, gently with each other because these are grownups who know how to have a conversation. It's really exciting to see mm-hmm. that even though there are sometimes some very huge disagreements among the people in the group and with Keller himself, none of them are ranting and raving and screaming and yelling and pointing fingers and accusing anybody of anything. They're just saying, here's what I think and here's why I think that's wrong or here's why I agree with that. And Tim Keller just says, okay. Well, here's what the Bible says about that. Or here's here's why we believe this is a, a reasonable Christian response, you know. And that's kind of the tone of voice he uses. It's almost Captain Picardish, you know. It's, yeah. It kind of looks like Captain Picard. But, um, but a great example of somebody who can talk with people who disagree with him on the essentials of God, the the essentials of life and the hereafter. And he disagrees with them heartily. But he does it in a way that invites conversation and invites them to listen to him. None of them are, you know, turning their heads and shaking their heads and walking out of the room when he says this stuff. They're listening intently. And even if they never disagree with him, you can tell that they're respecting him. And they're willing to listen to him just because of how he treats them. I was watching um, another Mike Winger video on YouTube. He's a guy that I've brought up before. He just helps people think biblically about different issues and this one he was actually interviewing somebody that he disagrees with that has a theological position that i think is kind of wacky he thinks is kind of wacky and it's uh i i would say legalistic as a 
uh, it's called theonomy, which I wasn't really familiar with before, but mm. it's sort of saying that Christians are under the Old Testament laws. And not only that, but um, we should work towards trying to put those laws in place in, oh. in you know, civil government. government too. Okay. It was a good conversation. I, I must say that I reacted pretty strongly to it immediately. Mm. I'm like, no, that's wrong. Come on, Mike, tell him why he's wrong. <laughs> and Mike wasn't doing that. He was, uh, you know, asking questions mm -hmm. gently, uh, trying to understand. He would give his response as to here's why I think that could be a narrow interpretation of this verse or that verse. And I would mm -hmm. be very careful, you know, looking at this this way without considering the full context and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. But to me, he was just a really good example of the right way to engage that guy because mm -hmm. I would have done it very differently. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's going to lead people astray. That's going to make, you know, conf and it probably, it, I mean, oh, sure in terms is. of the, the belief system, I wouldn't say it's, you know, heresy necessarily, but mm -hmm. certainly is to me a bad reading of scripture and a bad reading of history and a mm -hmm. bad reading of what works in civil government and what doesn't. Right. Well, uh, excellent. But uh, I mean, it was, it was a good conversation. And again, one of those things where I learned something, I was like, yeah, yeah. nope. He's, he's, he's got a little bit more wisdom than, <laughs> than yeah. I do or that I would in that Well, thank situation. God for, for guys like Mike Winger and, and uh, Tim Keller and Sean McDowell, uh, yeah. others who, you know, are able to engage with people they disagree with and do it in a way that's inviting mm -hmm. uh, rather than repulsive. And I think that's kind of the opposite of being winsome is being repulsive. And scripture is never tells us to be repulsive. <laughs> it's sure. always says the opposite, you know. Jesus was not repulsive. Well, he was to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees, and to the religious leaders and even the political leaders. He didn't go out of his way to be a jerk. Right. I mean, they disagreed with this claims to be the Messiah and the way he handled law. And that's where the so far as it depends on you comes in, right? Yes. Because thank you for that. You're, yep. You know, you're doing everything you can to treat people with respect. There's always somebody out there who's going to try to be a jerk back or trap you in your words or no matter what you say or how mm -hmm. you say it or how loving you are, mm -hmm. they're still going to think you're hateful just right. because, you know, you've pushed their buttons and that's mm -hmm. what, that's how they automatically respond to anybody who says anything like that sort of thing that they can't stand, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Right. Well, that's and, not and, on you. Right. If, if, <laughs> if you push their buttons intentionally or if you were right. a jerk. Then that you is know, it, yeah. That is on you. But, but uh, your your point about bringing up Romans, and I can't remember if it's chapter eleven or chapter fourteen, where where it does say, you know, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. Mm -hmm. That's again, that's the Apostle Paul, yep. and who is telling us some very practical stuff there about how to interact with people. Yep, that's stuff that's that's wisdom from God through the Apostle Paul and through guys like Winger and, and Keller uh, and McDowell, who just let us know that. We can display the love of Jesus with people we disagree with in ways that reflect his character also. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but we were talking about Apostle Paul and the end of his life earlier. And it reminded me of a movie that I'd seen a few years ago. Uh, it's called Paul, Apostle of Christ. Mm -hmm. Do you Have you heard this movie? I have not. It has uh, Jim Caviezel in it and um, another guy that plays Paul. So it's this sort of little, small, little personal drama about Luke and Paul Paul towards the end of his life, Luke coming and visiting him in mm -hmm. prison just before Paul is executed. And then the relationships that he develops with Paul and then even the 
Paul developing with uh, the the Roman guards that are sort of guarding him, which mm-hmm. is just really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it just, you know, I, I just something I wanted to recommend if you're cool. you know curious about since we're talking about some of the last words of Paul, mm-hmm. uh, a, a dramatization of that period of time that I think was at least really interesting to well, me. That so. sounds cool. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So back to this here is that being winsome doesn't mean you have to give up convictions or beliefs or strong opinions, but you need to be able to interact in ways that win a hearing rather than drive people away. You need to win the hearing. We've talked about it before. The idea is to win the person, not the argument. And if someone can have a conversation with you without the fear of you exploding, being demeaning or being condescending, you're much more likely to win that hearing with them. They're much more likely to take you seriously. And even if they never agree with you, they will at least listen. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't engaging with you, you might feel it's because your arguments are just airtight and they're solid and, and no one is can or is willing or dares to debate you because, you know, you've uh, slammed that door, you've shut them down and nobody dare try to correct you. And so nobody's responding to you because you think you've shut them down. Well, it could just be that people don't want the hassle of discussing anything with you because of the attitude that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Because who wants to carry on a conversation with a jerk? I don't. You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking of times when I've changed my mind on something. Mm -hmm. It was very unlikely that I changed my mind in the moment that somebody was, you know, telling me that they disagreed with something I said. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no. And here's all the reasons that, you know, I don't think that that's true. And probably left the conversation and they thought, well, he's never going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, thinking about it later and, well, maybe I should look, maybe I should look into that more. Like, is that, do I, am I really as solid? Like as my, you know, the way that I arrived at my conclusions as solid as I think they are. I just think it's good to remember that when somebody's, even if they're pushing back and even if they seem like they're never going to listen to you, uh, you know, a pebble in their shoe of, of, Maybe something that they might just give a second thought to later on when they're not so don't have their guard up as much. It's mm-hmm. a good thing, right? Yeah. If you turn them off and they're just like not going to listen to you and um, yeah, they're probably never going to consider what you have to say. Yeah. 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 yeah I've seen Facebook posts, Facebook arguments, and uh, somebody thinks they've had the last word. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I go, oh, nobody's going to respond. I guess, you know. You have you don't have an argument, so mm-hmm. you can't come back at me. And everybody's like, uh, "No, I'm going on to something more productive." Exactly. Yeah, this is a waste of my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, smugness has no place in a Christian conversation. I see that so yeah. often, and sometimes it's people that I kind of agree with what they're saying, but I'm just like, literally, no one's going to listen to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you say it that way, mm-hmm. and that's things I've got to look at in my own self. You know, I just I'm hoping I don't come across that way. I know I have in the past. And I'm hoping that the Lord helps me to mature past that. I, I hope that people can look at my Facebook posts about sensitive topics five, ten years ago. And what I'm doing now, I go, okay, there's a maturity here. Or at least there's a a softening in terms of willingness to consider another viewpoint. And not quite so black and white about some things, about non-essentials. Uh, or at least a maturity in how I'm willing to discuss things with people. I hope. And this is another reason for getting past pat answers and talking points, which is the goal of this podcast here, because people use those to shut down a conversation or try to prove a point without actual discussion. They just say it 
And they just think that the argument's done because they've, because all wisdom is contained in that sentence. <laughs> and, um, and so they think they've, they've slayed the dragon and, and it's all over and it's not, it's really not. And so we need to be people who can discuss and discuss things well, be reasoned and reasonable people who can think for themselves and think through an argument and also come with that argument in a winsome manner that says that I love you and I want to have a calm conversation with you and we'll see what we can do together. Um, even if we never disagree, but I want you to know that I respect you. And so I'm going to have a calm conversation with you. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that the, uh, psychologists call the Dunning-Kruger effect is is active in in everybody. And it basically states that the less you know about something, the more confident you are in your opinions. And people who are actually experts in a particular topic are constantly wondering if they've got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or they tend to think that they know less than they actually do. Mm -hmm. And people who know not very much tend to think that they know more than they mm -hmm. actually do. And they're the, they've got the loudest volume controls. Yep. I mean, yep. it's on 11 all the time with those all guys. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, that's great. And, and so that's just where we want to go tonight. We just want to be, encourage you to be people who are winsome, people who others like being around, they're friendly, they're engaging, they are calm, you know, in their discussions, they're winning, you know, they're charmful, you know, not charming in the sense of uh, trying to you know, falsely charm someone into a sense of security or whatever like that, a deceitful charm. Uh, but just saying, hey, you can tell that I'm open to a conversation and that my conversation with you is going to be hopefully light enough that we can still be friends by the time we're all done. Um, I right. hope we're always friends, Brian. I'm, me too, Josh. Me too. Well, I've been friends for over 20 years and oh, Lord willing, that'll happen for more decades yet to come. Aww. <laughs> now, along with this, uh, in a future episode, I, I don't know when we're going to be able to do this next episode because I'm trying to get hold of a guy. I'm asking him if he'll be a guest on our show uh, to discuss a topic. And it's the topic of having a good reputation. One of the passages that we looked at tonight from Colossians says, you know, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And scripture has two or three other places where it says that leaders in the church need to have a good reputation with those outside of the faith. And I want us to discuss that because I know plenty of people who would say, no, we don't have to worry about that. We will always be persecuted. We'll always be hated because we're Christians. And I don't think that's the case, but we are to be people who are winsome and have good reputations and have good relationships with people outside of our faith in Jesus. So we will discuss that where they're not we're able to get this uh, person on as our guest, but the person I'm really hoping to get is a master, and he's got such a high reputation in this town uh, among many sectors of the city, and uh, I'm really hoping to hear how the gospel impacts him and how he's able to take that into these business relationships with other people in the city. So, well, you've really built up our mystery guest. Yes, so I'm looking yes. forward to seeing I'm that uh, happen. Okay. I'll even go on my knees and crawl over broken glass to get him. Cause he's that kind of a guy. He's a great, 
great guy. So good. Speaking of great guys, do you have a Chuck Norris joke oh, for us? Indeed, I do. We don't do Chuck Norris jokes here, Josh. Facts. I'm we sorry. Do Chuck, Chuck Norris, Norris facts. facts. That was that was just a slip of the tongue, Mister Norris. Speaking please, truth. Yes. Don't destroy Josh because we use his house for our recording podcast. Okay, and we won't play to get back in. Now you've given away our secret location. <laughs> I didn't tell him that it's five. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay. Don't dox me on my own podcast. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Got to catch, catch you boomers up. Okay. Um, <laughs> as long as you don't get on my lawn. <laughs> All right. Chuck Norris fact for the day. You know, it's considered a great accomplishment to go, Ni- go down Niagara Falls in a wooden barrel. Chuck Norris can go up Niagara Falls in a cardboard box. Ooh, I got one for you. Okay. Another fact I learned recently, Chuck Norris has a diary. Did you know that? Yes. It's I called do. the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes. I read that all the time. Oh, so good. It is. Right. It is. Yes. It's all amazing. Right. To see well, thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, we will see you next time. Be sure to uh, send your comments, questions, feedback our way on all of the standard and non-standard channels indeed have a good one (laughs) bye living beyond your memes is a production of truth love media and discipleship dna editing by ec productions if you like the show please tell your friends and leave a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts get in touch with brian lacroix at discipleshipdna.com thanks for listening and we hope to see you in the next episode